Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your host, Dave Clayton. Hello and thanks for joining us again this week. Before we go into the episode where I do actually do a proper intro, I just wanted to um, just do a little bit before the show starts, because I haven't done one for a little while, uh, just really to say thank you to everyone that is still listening to the show. I know the world's completely different now. We, you know, we're not commuting. We're not spending as much time as our in our car. Uh, I know that's changed for a lot of people. I know some areas, you know, it's a bit more relaxed and people are getting out and going back to work. But our habits have changed, and I just wanted to say, you know, I I still love doing the podcast. I love speaking to our guests, and long may that continue. A huge thanks to Alan Hess, who's been joining me the last few months. Uh, it's been really appreciated. So thank you, Alan. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've got some good guests coming up and uh, we've got a lot of content that we've been looking through, trying to get a nice mixture of photography design. Um, but at the moment, you know, like I said, everyone's in a bit of a weird, weird place at the moment. Fortunately, uh, because I've missed traveling this year, like massively, I've, I've really missed my friends in America. It's been the first year since about 2012, I think. Uh, that I haven't been to the USA so um, it's been a bit weird and, and I have missed being involved in things but on the flip side of that it looks like the online events industry has really taken off so um, fortunately as I've mentioned in a couple of previous episodes I'm I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed to bits uh, to, to use a very English expression to be part of Adobe Max this year so I'm teaching a class on InDesign for InDesign scripts um stressed me out massively because I wanted to do a really good job and my lord I've been going over that thing more times than I care to remember but uh, that's all submitted now but uh, if you do like using online events to carry on learning uh, photography and design um look out for Kelby One Landscape Conference which is coming up on the 8th and 9th of September so this show is out Monday the 7th and you're looking at Tuesday and Wednesday this week. So if you're listening to the show later on, you've probably missed it. But it's worth jumping on the KelbyOneLive.com website just to see if you can get a pass. There's some great guests there. Then coming up later in September, a show that I'm part of every year that I've been helping out even with the online conference, which is the photography show. Now, obviously, because of the events industry is closed down, they've also gone virtual and they're doing an event over two days on the 20th and 21st of September that's a Sunday and a Monday and there's a lot of online content on there there's classes uh, Glyn's got a couple of classes our friend Tony Harmer Julianne Cost Jesus Ramirez so there's some great content there it's all free as well that's the best thing the Kelby one isn't you need to bypass for that but the photography show is completely free so I think you just need to register for it but please do um they've supported the show oh, massively I, I i can't thank them enough they're really good friends and the last couple of years they've been sponsors of the show leading up so i just want to give a big shout out to them then obviously in october we've got adobe max and that's 20th 21st and 22nd of october um that is free as well yeah i say free you do need an adobe account to be able to log in and see all of the classes but if you haven't got an Adobe account, just get one, it's free, and then log on, and you can just see a ton of classes. Now, normally, this event to go to is something like around $1,500, $1,700. So, the fact that you're going to get all these trainers online free, it's just the best time to be learning online if you want to improve your skills while you've got this downtime. Uh, 
There's one other thing I'm bit I'm going to be involved in, which is later on in November, which I can't talk about yet. But as soon as that's out, I can uh, I can start to promote that as well. I also want to say a special thanks to a company called Nero's Notes. If you're a designer uh, and even a photographer. If you're out and about and you like making notes and keeping records of what you're doing and you're often trying to think, oh, what kind of notebook do I need? Check out nerosnotes.com. That's N-E-R-O-S-N-O-T-E-S. And they've got a wide range of notebooks and pencils and stationery. They've helped me out with something recently. And I just wanted to give Stuart and the team a big shout out. Um, by way of thanks so um, yeah if you want to check out nerosnotes.com I'm sure they'll appreciate it and please say that Dave sent you if you order anything Um, I think that's about it I'm sure there's lots of lots of things I've forgotten about Um, as I'm editing this I'm also working on a project that has massively stressed me out the past few weeks because it's um, it's one of those jobs that comes along it's a bit of a dream come true and it's and it's just too good and like all designers you know we question our work and I really want to do a good job and I'm worried it won't be good enough but that's got to be submitted in the morning so after I've finished uh, editing this episode tonight with our guest Dustin Jack uh, I've got to crack on and do a couple more hours with that and put it all together but I'm just grateful that I've got my health Um, we have had Covid in our house Um, it's quite possible I've had it and uh, my son had it but luckily touchwood we've all been good and last week's guest uh brian friedman he he talks about recovering from it as well so like i say it's a weird time but you know touchwood thankful i got my health i'm thankful i can still do the podcast keep doing my day job and these few bits on the side so i just want to thank everyone for their support um for keep listening keep downloading and keep sharing um i don't know what else to say really this week's guest dustin jack is a good friend of alan's it's someone that i've met at photoshop world but kind of not really ever got to speak to him i I know who he is he's one of those people that i know the name in the industry but also he's the cover artist or the cover star of this month's photoshop user magazine from kelby one so dustin had the cover he's got some images inside and i did a question and answer session with him try to make the questions a little bit different to what's in this podcast but if you want to sign up for kelby one go to kelbyone.com i think you can do a trial subscription a free for seven days or something and you'll get this month's magazine for free to check and read anyway so if you're looking at the show graphics that's why i've got a cover of the photoshop user magazine on there so thanks to chris main for always putting that out I, I i still write for that every month i do a photoshop article um so if you want to learn some photoshop for designer stuff sign up i mean i i joined for the magazine only so if you're paying the, the ten dollars a month um that's what the magazine used to cost and you also get hundreds of classes so uh look out for that uh, i'm not going to waffle any longer this has gone long enough and please enjoy the episode and if you do enjoy it and you're still loving the podcast please go to itunes and leave us a review it really helps and please share it on social media if you get a chance extra few listeners wouldn't hurt but uh, for now thank you and we'll jump straight into the episode see you next time Hello and welcome to another edition of He Shoots, He Draws and I'm joined again by my co-host Alan Hess who's going to be my expert voice tonight because we've got a guest who was a who's who of rock photography tonight but Dustin Jack who is someone who we have Photoshop World in connection um, 
But Alan's been able to get Dustin on the podcast, which I'm really pleased about because I love talking about anything about music. So, Dustin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Super happy to be here. Nice to see you guys. Yeah, live from LA as well. (laughs) Yeah, all troubleshooting aside, but we are live. Right, so uh, as I say to most of my guests when we start, I mean, obviously we've we, our paths have crossed, but we've never really had much of a chance to sit and chat and get to know each other. True. So if I if I bumped into you in a pub right now and said, like, I'm Dave, I'm from the UK, you're Dustin, uh, what do you do? Uh, it depends on if you're if you're being honest, because a lot of times I'll just say I work at the gas station. So, <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I'm, I am a commercial photographer and I've been fortunate enough to do that most of my life. Um, and, uh, for the most part, I've been an in-house photographer most of my life. So I'm very lucky to be primarily a studio photographer that happened to have, uh, some good connections in music. Okay. So you've actually, you've been a hired photographer. You've worked for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So in the early 90s, I started out in, uh, in the auction house business. So I worked for Butterfield and Butterfield for almost 10 years. Started there as their darkroom tech. So for the first you know, four or five years that I worked there, uh, I was in the darkroom. So I probably logged over you know, 1,500 hours printing and processing film. And this is way before digital. So, and then into the early parts of digital. So I started working early on with like the, the leaf back cameras and you know, the three oh, color wheels and like that, that whole nonsense, but definitely trained in four by five, uh, medium format, you know, so I was under the sheet or in the dark room. Oh, wow. See, it's, it's really weird because we get some <clears throat> guests who do go right back to print. You know, they've, that, they've been in the dark room and we have some that are just only no digital. And then when you get someone who transition across both, I always think it's really interesting purely because how both are so different in terms of like Alan's spoken about you go somewhere with a roll of film you shoot a lot different than you do with a digital camera for sure yeah but I think honestly it's it's kind of come full circle with a lot of the darkroom technique into photoshop as photoshop's gotten better the same techniques and the things that you learn in the darkroom those same principles still apply and you still have the same tools it's just a different medium and a different way to work it so it's about knowing which tools are good for you because there's a there's a million tools you don't need to know all of them but here's the 40 that are going to serve you well you know and and it smells a lot better when you don't have to sit in the dark room all day long because i that's the that's the thing that i just took i remember going to the dark room in college and that smell used to follow me back to the dorm room afterwards and people would be like dude it's a little sulfur You get a kick out of it. And and then you start working with crazy stuff like potassium ferrocyanide or something that can kill you. (laughs) And I guarantee you the ventilation was not great at the uh, Butterfield darkroom back then. So I'm just waiting. Somebody's going to go, hey, did you ever work with uh, potassium ferrocyanide in the early 90s? You might want to go get yourself checked for a third eye. (laughs) (laughs) I did wonder where that came from because I was looking through your work and and suddenly saw a bunch of auction stuff. Mm -hmm. And and then, then thinking, well, did he? So was he in the auction game? Did he used to sell stuff? Because there was a lot of really cool things there. So so your job as a photographer was to actually photograph all of the auction items. Yes, like for catalogs primarily. And then it, it's weird because I grew up. So before I even started there, I worked for a vintage movie poster restoration company, and uh, I would photograph all the finished 
restorations of these, I mean, classic King Kong and Frankenstein, all that stuff. And uh, in the downtime, I actually learned how to mask and cut acetate. And so I'd cut for the airbrushers and, you know, cut the, uh, the text and the printing and stuff in different layers. So again, like it, it kind of all comes full circle because you learn how to mask and look at things sort of backwards or inverted you know, when somebody's painting. So you have to cover certain things and then open up certain things for different colors. And so, yeah, that, that was, that was really a, a lot of fun. I, I fell in love with artifacts at that time and that kind of never went away. I just love stuff like history and, you know, you never know what, where something has been. And, yeah, uh, I, I could do a whole podcast just on that. Cause that whole movie poster and artwork being a designer that stuff fascinates me. So being as part of the restoration process and seeing it is, you know, you were, you've obviously start, like most people start with people and you've started with inanimate objects. Well, I mean, technically kind of high school, you know, you, you get a camera and you, uh, and I was in a band, so I would shoot my, my band and my friend's bands. So that's how the music thing started. But as a pro- yeah. professional, my first job was literally with the, the movie posters. And I'll give you a quick fun story about the movie poster stuff. Because I am uh, super lucky when it comes to that. So the, the guy I worked for was the guy that you went to for, and he restored everything and uh, <clears throat> provided lots of things for auction. And one day we get in a one sheet Frankenstein first edition, which the other, they they only knew of one other one that was actually around, and it was tattered and had holes and the whole thing. This one somebody bought a suitcase, and it was. It perfectly folded, stamped, 100% uh, stone lithograph Frankenstein. And it was in pristine condition. And that, that poster sold for 198 grand in 91 or two. And I was one of two people that photographed it then. And I'm pretty sure Kirk Hammett actually bought it. Wow. Yeah, he's, uh, Kirk's got a, a, a thing for um, Huge old horror movies, doesn't he? So and does Rob Zombie. There's a bunch of those guys. That's a lot of coin to drop on a poster, but yeah, I mean to to see. See, I, I I mean I love memorabilia. I'm as you can see from all the crap in my room, and I'm you know similar to Alan. I like keeping stuff. I love retro old memorabilia, movie old posters. Just just being able to kind of touch or see something that's an original um, fascinates me because it's such a big part of history. That I guess as you've now moved into the rock world, you you're kind of seeing that that modern day version of stuff that's going to be worth an arm and a leg in the next 20 30 40 years i mean sometimes i mean you find silly things like you'll see somebody's cool boots and you're like man i'd like to photograph just the shoes you know you know (laughs) it is kind of a weird a weird thing to be into but uh no i mean those those days were crazy too because i'd go to work any day and it'd be like you know shoot a rembrandt shoot a uh, the Sanford and Son truck, come back in, shoot an Elvis jumpsuit, and the world's largest star, Sapphire. <laughs> Regular day. We've all had those days, mate. <laughs> but that's, I mean, that's where my guerrilla approach to lighting comes from, is because it was like, you didn't have time to mess around. You had to get it lit, get it shot, and move on. And it was all on, you know, four by five, you know, large formats. So you'd shoot multiple sheets of film, plus one, plus two, minus one, minus two, and you know, try to get one normal and hope for the best. But there was no, uh, yeah, they weren't even really digitizing things yet then. So what? at what point did you kind of get out of that game 
to kind of move on to the next phase of your career? It just it just kind of has always moved forward. There was not like one point. Um, around 99, I met Tommy Lee, who had come into the auction house and given given me a shot to come in the studio and just do some candid sort of uh, Linda McCartney style stuff because he was recording and had a bunch of people coming through the studio and just let me kind of be a fly on the wall, which was amazing. And then uh, that kind of relit my fire for shooting music again because it, it, I don't want to say it burned out, but it, the opportunities weren't exactly there. I wasn't playing. I wasn't in the club scene as much as I was. And so I wasn't taking my camera everywhere. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, just one thing led to another. I, I actually went from the auction house to a an estate, a really fine jewelry company, and then into a, a really high-end art installation, art gallery, and then ended up now where I am, and I've been with the same guy for 20 years, in a vintage guitar and extremely rare book company. So that's my, oh, wow. that's my day job. Let's let's talk about it. Let's talk a little bit about the guitars because I've seen some of these guitars. We've uh, hung out at NAM at the uh, North American Musician Trade Show that used to happen it used to happen every year in Anaheim. We don't know if it's going to yep. happen next year or not. Um, but you had a, uh, a you had a, a partner in, in crime who would play the guitars, and you were filming the guitars and, and posting these videos that were amazing. So um, can you talk a little bit about? that whole um collaboration the Phil X experience the phil x experience um, yeah so you know i'm working with these these incredible guitars and we're trying to come up with a different way to market them without uh being obnoxious so we were trying to like maybe do some quick mp3s where you could log on the website and hear the guitar and it just nothing was really working and i had met phil in 1999 working with tommy lee who was probably the best guitar player i've literally ever heard in my life and still just mind-blowing and kind of ran back into him like hey what would you think about like coming in and playing some like real vintage guitars but playing them for real and let me let me throw you on camera because when you go to guitar center that two hundred thousand dollar guitar that's up in the corner you're never going to hear it but i have one so i could have him come to the shop and spank it and <laughs> And we started doing that and putting them on uh, on YouTube, and it turned into a, a, a monster. Uh, Is this the fretted Americana yeah, site? Yeah. yeah. So I mean, millions, millions of views, hundreds of thousands of subscribers, and to the point where uh, one of John Bon Jovi's producers loved him, loved the show, thought he was just he was funny, he can sing, and he can play his ass off. And John was having trouble with Richie at the time, and. The uh, the producer just said, "Hey, you got to you should call this guy. This is this is a guy that could step in and like you know help you out." And he's in Bon Jovi to this day from a wow. from a silly little YouTube channel. And I was just looking. I'm on it at the moment. Um, so if anyone listening, I'll put, I will put a link in the show notes. But it's like uh, Phil X goes crazy, does insane Hendrix, and it's like 1.2 million views. The one next to it, 1 million views. And these are like 8, 10, 11 years ago. Yeah. 127,000 subscribers. We, we should I mean, be really wealthy. <laughs> 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 we, we, but you loved it. You didn't do it for the money. You loved it. No, we did love it, but we were definitely before we were before the curve, before you know people were YouTube stars. He was a YouTube star. 
to the point where we would be walking in an airport because we, you know, I'd go on tour with his band and stuff. And his his introduction on every show is, hey, man, it's Phil X. He would just yell his name. And we're walking through airports and kids are going, hey, man, it's Phil X, you know, and, and just trying to get his attention, which was really kind of endearing and cool. That's funny, because when you think, I mean, how old YouTube? I mean, it's not a lot older than, than 10 years anyway in its prime. It was early. So to actually build, yeah, to build something that big then and have it become such a success. So obviously this, you know, you, you're in this music world, you've been in a band, um, I'm guessing bit having the tattoos and the look of a of a rock of a, of a someone who looks like they belong in a band and around the band has that kind of background helped you keep moving forward in that career because you you look and you act like you should be there anyway has that opened those opportunities because we all have lucky breaks we all get to meet a famous person or something or a really good friend that's connected and those that's what opened the doors but you've still got to behave like the right person in those opportunities i suppose i mean i never really thought that it was sort of my look that that really helped you know well no your photography did it but i think it helps to look the part when you're around other people who who dress or maybe look that way is i guess you just you don't stand out yeah so you can blend in with your camera and you don't look like you're out of place Hmm. (laughs) interesting (laughs) i mean but you can disagree i mean mean, that's just unfortunately i was i was very tattooed before it was cool you know so you when i got tattooed you were still kind of a bad kid you know so uh yeah, I, I never really gave that much of a thought. There's there's an attitude though that that happens, um, uh, and I, and I'll, I want to get into it later about working with other people. But there's there's definitely an attitude and a and a um, that when you don't belong somewhere and you don't feel like you belong somewhere, people pick up on it. So if you're walking around and you're like, I don't, I I shouldn't be here, or this is not my scene, or I am not comfortable here people definitely start feeling like, huh, this is not really his scene. He's not, or, you know, he's not comfortable here. And uh, I've been lucky enough to actually see you around Tommy Lee and, and the guys in Motley Crue. And do they treat you like you're one of them? Um, and it's very obvious that you've, you know, you're, you're like, your attitude and, and experience matches that. I don't think I even think if it, I would have met, I don't think even if I would have met them way back then, because I wasn't into into that kind of music. I really wasn't a heavy metal or rock guy. I was more into the Grateful Dead and the hippie, you know, stuff that I wouldn't have been as comfortable. And I don't think then the friendships would have melded, and I don't think the trust would have been there. Now I'm friends with other musicians, yeah, and they, and yeah, yeah. you know the trust is there because that's kind of my style. So I think that's what Dave's kind of getting at. It's not just how you look. I mean, I have no tats. You have tons of tats. We we're great friends and get along perfectly. It's not like you know there's anything different about it. But I think there's an attitude and a belonging that when you meet your people, that happens. Um, and Maybe to me, so. It's, yeah, to me it's more about it's more it comes in under the under the thing that that they're like it's kindred spirits and they realize that there's the same you have the same kind of vision they do and the same kind of trust in, evolves out of it. And I know you know we've discussed that before too. You know, there's a reason that they invite you back and that you can be a fly on the wall is that you're not running to you know the tabloids or posting every stupid bad out of focus picture that's you know ever taken and and they know that oh yeah dustin's here with his camera no big deal 
because yeah. But again, I mean, to address what you just said, you know, there's a big part of me that doesn't feel like I belong and, and am definitely freaking out. And like my 14 year old self is going, dude, this is not your life. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there, there's a whole big pile of that. And then there's a part of you that's a professional and you, you put on your big boy pants and you, you show up and you look them in the eye and, you know, you're there to, to do a service and I'm not there to be your fan. Even though yeah. on the inside you're going... Oh my God! This is the this yeah. is the greatest day of my life. Are you kidding me? But you know, you—it's not that you can't do that. It's just that's being a professional. Yeah, I think you've definitely. It's one of those things you earn your right to be where you are. You should never feel like I know in the design world there's this whole imposter syndrome thing. Like I shouldn't, it shouldn't be me here. It shouldn't be me. You've deserved, you deserve to be where you are. And we're all the same, you know. If I've got any particular like football hero or music hero, um, I said, "Tell my my big brother's really close friends with Keith Richards. I've sat in his dressing room. I've sat in his car and left the gig with him. I've driven to a gig in his car. I've stayed in his hotel. I know how to, I know how to behave." to fit in even though i don't kind of look like a a rock person trust and and respect and appreciating the situation you're in knowing you know there's a hundred people who would give their children to be where i am right now yeah i'm not gonna mess this up so over time you just learn to blend in and yeah so i'm you know i've got one tattoo I, i don't look like anything other than me um but I, there's a way of blending in through your personality and your actions, which I think I've seen so many people mess that up because they've gone the opposite direction and gone, oh my God, you know, you're whoever, and you get in their face and the selfies and you're posting, you know, like Alan said, you behave so disrespectfully to the to the situation, you'll only ever do that once. Yeah. You won't get fired And back. I think a lot of times too, it really is about, the work that you show and Al, yes. that's a big part of Alan's classes in even in Photoshop world was like, it's all about what they, what you show is that's the hook, line and sinker right there. And the, the first piece of advice I always give, cause I get, you know, I get a hundred questions on Instagram a week. Like what I said, listen, just because it's in focus doesn't mean it's a good shot. Like if, if that guy that you're photographing wouldn't hang that on his wall, throw it away. Like n- nobody yeah. sees that. Right, you know, and, and it has to be that way. Well, we we have a culture now that everyone wants to share everything all the time, and um, uh, we had a we had a guest on well, David a guest on the show earlier. You know, talks about like once you print it, it's finally done, and there's no more editing involved, and just show that one thing. You know, just like a, that really still stuck with me because I go on and I see a lot of concert pictures because a ten people tend to show them to me and B, I really like concert pictures. I mean, I, I love shooting sure. them. I love going to them. I like looking at them and you see someone and you, and they post like 10 and you're like, Oh, Oh man, that's, Oh, you, you know, you didn't think that through you, you can, or it's even a sequence. Oh, where you're it's like... a se- but it's like, it's like, it, would you actually be proud to, to run into that musician and take your iPad and go, this is the, you know, and if really, if that's your, if that's how you're thinking about this, then, then, you know, you, you might want to rethink the entire concept. And because we have a culture, but the truth is, is that, so we, we, we just have a culture now that it's like, it doesn't matter that it's like, everyone's only looking at something for like an eighth of a second. So let's put out all the images that we possibly can and flood the whole thing with, you know, with all these photographs, as opposed to 
finding the ones that really make the subject look good. And I think part of the key to your success, I know it's been part of mine, is that I don't show the stuff that doesn't make the subject look good. And if I do, by mistake, I try to get rid of it as quickly as possible. You know, it's it's happened. Yeah. I've, I've, I've fallen in love with a photo and I've posted it. And then someone has said, dude, there's a tree growing out of that person's head. And I, I never noticed it because I was so in love with something else in it that I never noticed the whole image. And, you know, at that point, I'm like, oh, crap. And I will... <laughs> I'll pull it back down. It doesn't stay out there. It doesn't stay out there in the real world. And that is, that's helped me in the past, been in a recording studio, been backstage, been in places where I've been allowed to have my camera that most people haven't. Because the people around me just have this innate trust that the good stuff will show up, the bad stuff won't. And I mean, I think the truth of, of that statement is that a lot of people are happy to show that picture. That's a problem. You know, I mean, they're, they're more than happy to show the bad ones. And especially when you work with people like we work with, you know, they're putting their image in our hands. So we're responsible for legacy, image. Like if, again, like my catchphrase, I say it all the time. If you didn't look like a rock star, I failed. Like, I mean, if you didn't look like a, super, a superhero, because that's my job. You're, you have to be bigger than life. You have to be. A million people yeah. would kill to be me and would kill to be them. And if I'm showing them somebody not in their, if they look like they're sneezing and not rocking, that's a problem, you know? Yeah. And also, and also as, a, as a fan of photography and, and rock music and like being lucky that I've got friends in the industry, like look, I was, when I was looking through your work, even the live stuff, I mean, th there's 20,000 people in the stadium all looking at exactly the same thing. And then you look at one of your photographs and you're thinking, was I at that gig? Because that that's not what i was looking at but even your live stuff still looks like a great portrait shot that was one of the things i wanted to say to you about your photography oh, you. even thank though it, it, it is a live shoot some of those i mean not even some nearly all of those images look like great portrait shots there if i'm sure if i was that guitarist i'd want that picture of me on my wall above my bed <laughs> i mean that's the goal that is the goal yeah like, like could i get a poster of me yeah go ahead Alan. well I'm done, done on that subject yeah. you have images of musicians that they put on their swag that they are selling at shows there's um I believe Zach Wilde has a picture of Zach Wilde on a Zach Wilde T-shirt taken by you. That's part of his. And then, I, and then I'm wearing I'm wearing my shirt with my yeah. <laughs> it, it, it gets kind of arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very meta. <laughs> but then Alan gets to walk in a stadium and just lean against a wall with a massive picture of his behind him and go, "Oh, that old thing! Oh, I did that." Yeah, that's... Well, when you're when you're shooting with Alan, you have to uh, compensate for his height. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So let's let's talk about your your photography career then in in music. Is you know looking through the photographs, I recognise a lot of the names and a lot of the gigs you've been to. I mean, that's something now that I think we talk about with photographers. They get a look or they create a style that then becomes oh that's a Dustin Jack. I mean looking through your work it it's just like i i know we, you're not going to put the crap but how much do you think you've evolved through those experiences because i know i've spoken to alan about it how you learn those little things to, how do you shoot today 
when you're allowed out and we can shoot a gig i mean how different is your shooting life now than say it was five years ago i mean i think it changes every single time every every show every time you know i always try to do something i didn't do last time or take a piece of gear that i didn't use before that i wasn't comfortable with because it makes you look at things differently um you know, there's one shot I, I just posted of Zach. I'm literally laying on the floor underneath him in, in the photo pit after everybody was gone. And he's hanging over the top of me, sweating on me, like the whole thing. But you're sitting there with a 10 and a half uh, fisheye and you go, okay, shooting this straight on is really not going to do much for me. Let's, let's take this and completely skew the angle and turn it upside down. So, and then you kind of just, the way you shoot it, and then you can flip the image, if it's a vertical and change it to horizontal, just completely changes the way that you're you're able to see. Yeah, because I'm looking at the wild cyclone one, which I'm guessing is the same person. Yes, <laughs> and there's f- five of him, I and mean, that's I love that because you just can't see his face in any of them. It's just like his hair going one side, then the other way, and the colours in it are so good. I mean, you, I I do look at a lot of photography, and I do see a lot of really bland concert photos and portraits and alan's taught me a lot i did his pre-con and you know not being a great photographer myself i learned so much that i find when i talk to kind of budding music photographers i end up giving them tips that alan gave me that i i would love to i mean my brother's in a band i've been able you know to be around a lot of music over my years i wish i'd been a photographer at the time i wish i'd captured more for the memory side of it do you so when you do shoot? I know, like with Alan, it's hard to kind of enjoy the gig and shoot it at the same time. Do you still get the three songs and out, or do you have a little bit more access now because of your connections? No, I'm one of those jerks. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, the, honest to be honest, the people that I work with, I'm I'm usually requested for. I I don't do a lot of, uh, you know. Uh, sports arena gigs. I'm not at every show. I work when people want me to work. Uh, I'm not out there doing PR stuff. There's a, you know, there's a whole school of people that are really, really good at that. And I'm not, you know, it's like uh, when you shoot sports and you, you got to get it on the service in, in 40 minutes. I know that that is not for me, you know, because I'm already an hour processing in my head in the first song. You know what I mean? So yeah, I know, I know what, is going to go into what I'm doing. And, you know, like I said, there are people that are really, really good at that. And that just never was for me. Like the, the, uh, I don't know, the press, press line. Right. The turnaround, the the instant turnaround. It's very difficult. I'm not good at editing on the fly like that. You have a, you have a really distinctive look to most of your images. I mean, that, that I've noticed for years because they pop out, they stand out. Um, you know, uh, and I know what goes into, <laughs> I know what goes into working on editing some of those. And it's not, it's not like a three slider adjustment in Lightroom and then, you know, output, which is what I can literally do for some of the arena gigs I have, because they're looking for true to life, 40 pictures from today's show as soon as possible to have a gallery up. Um, and that's, I, I know that's not your style. We've shot a show together. You know, I had stuff done in like 40 minutes because it was 10 minutes from my house, 30 minutes to drive home, 10 minutes to, you know, three sliders. And then like a week later, you know, you show me one of your images from that same show. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't, oh, yeah. Okay. Now I, you know, 
I could have spent I, a lot more I tend time to, working I, on that. I tend to say like you you have a really great affinity for working really clean and yeah. I just work filthy. You know, that's <laughs> it's just different. You know? It's a good filthy though. Yeah, but I mean yeah. if I work clean I get you know, I get pulverized a little bit. You know, because my stuff, my okay. stuff is so dirty. Yeah, but I, but like your images are also every single one is like a piece of art. But it, that, that being said, that's... though, it's not for everybody. My style is not for everybody, and there are people that don't like me as much as there are people that like me, and that's okay too. Just I just know that. So how how long yeah, do you work you've... on an image? How, I like just for the people out there. I like if you if you shot a show. You, you know, um, so there's supposed to be a big concert tour going on right now that was supposed to stop in San Diego the week we're recording this, but it's not happening and hopefully it'll happen next year. So let's say you shoot that band and how long would it take you to process like your favorite, like you took the shot, you know the shot and you're, in your head you're like, oh man, about a third way through the first song, there's the shot. And yeah, you, I can't wait to get home I can't and wait. do yeah, that. So oh, you yeah. get home, you download it in the computer, and then you're sitting in front of Photoshop. How long until you're happy-ish with that image? How long will you work on something until you go, that's it, or you know what, never mind, and move on to the next one? If it's something, if it's not the job where I, I have to have something in a specific amount of time, it could be an hour and it could be four hours. For me, it's about 30 and, seconds. Yeah, no, I mean, probably, I mean, you you and I worked on this last big show together. Yeah. And you knew what we had to do to do it. And we knew it was going to be a massive composite. And the the, the pre-work that went into it, the, the actual day of the shoot that we got to do, which we, we thought we were only going to have 40 minutes with the band. We had to get enough content to make this promotion happen. And... I mean, I probably spent a week in post on that that one shot. I think there's 47 layers in. <laughs> wow! In this sh- is that the stadium shot? Yeah. yeah, right. So, for those of us, those of you who are not seeing um, the image Dustin's holding up, let's. Uh, this story is actually this whole thing is actually one of the reasons I wanted to to talk to Dustin and and have this out is because. I get a phone call from him um, last year. I think it was, I'm going to say end of November at some point. And he goes, can you come up to LA and help me on a shoot? I need some, I need someone to to help move some lights around. I need someone who knows the way around a camera and to take some behind the scenes shots while we're actually shooting. Um, And uh, you know, it's next week. It's a paying gig, you know, please send me, you know, your availability and your time and, and the rest of it. And, uh, I'll never forget the shoot for a few reasons. A, it was the worst weather we'd had in, oh, like a decade. I drove, I left from San Diego to drive to LA at four o'clock in the morning in an absolute torrential downpour. Um, arrived at the studio in LA at six a.m. and we started setting up for the band's arrival at I think ten. Yeah. And we shot from eleven till twelve and then they I mean that was it, they left. I said we should just Dustin shot from like eleven to twelve. And um I can say who it is because the pictures are out there. It was at yeah, the time yeah, I course. didn't at the time I didn't know, but but the next morning it was uh, Motley Crue and, and Def Leppard were coming in to do the shots for their um stadium tour that was supposed to be happening right now, which is not due to COVID and and um yeah, that little pandemic thing. 
Um, but there were a few things that really stood out to me about that. And the first one was uh, a lot of photographers are afraid to invite other photographers in to help them, or at least that's the impression that you get at, at, a, at a low level. Once you get a professional level, there is nothing like being asked to come and help another photographer and not taking the lead. And as someone who was helping out, man, it was the greatest day ever because I got to work and all the pressure was on Dustin. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, I helped set up lights. I helped, uh, you know, jury things to the ceiling. Dustin's brother was there helping too. And we had a, a third guy who knew more about the giant studio lights and work, I believe worked with those kind of giant lights we had. And we had a big yep. psych wall in a, in a film studio up in LA um, to, to, make this shot look like it was it was shot at a, a stadium um yeah. and they already did you know that going into it sorry mm. to, to interrupt but did when you were when you knew you had to do this shoot did you kind of have that remit beforehand like i know i'm going to need them to line up like this i know it's going to be shot against this background or i mean you've got 40 minutes that's more than what a lot of people do sometimes get with musicians yeah. so did you dusting like be that i'm in charge here i know exactly what i need you to do and they'll all listen to you and stand where they need to stand yes and no i mean there was there were so many things that went wrong and there's so many things that went right during that day it was a perfect storm because everything we thought we were going to do was out the window the minute we walked in the studio um i i knew i was going to have to put them in a stadium but everything that i got from the company that was supposed to send me the backgrounds was completely unusable not like not even close to usable so here we are and i i know i have to shoot certain angles and we have we have it lit like a stadium we shot it with hot lights we didn't use strobe but we get there and i'm like you know what we need to set up an individual uh let's let's put up a, a gray seamless and a strobe setup so when these guys come out of hair and makeup we can shoot them individually in case we got to swap somebody out later and yeah we knew we were gonna have to do both bands and then one giant group shot of both bands together. So in, in that panic and especially with the weather and everything and having people come down, we shot everybody individually as they came through to go to the band shots. So it, it was a whole nother level of, holy shit, we don't have time for this, you know? <laughs> and then, you know, that takes my brain away from the, the big shot and I'm trying to, hammer out these individual shots it was it was it was a challenge we learned i I learned a lot that day and uh but i think that that's the that's the thing of a good photographer though dustin is the fact that you know a younger photographer could have turned up already awestruck by the situation and then panic by the situation that end up you know that screwed up their chance of ever doing it again and you've got all these band members together and the shot just hasn't happened believe me that is and not the that's not the gig you want to screw up <laughs> no <laughs> i know when alan went he wouldn't tell me what he was doing he wouldn't tell me who it was or anything. he well, just happened to mention i'm going to go and help dustin do this this thing and when i can talk about it i'll tell you what it is but it's a really big thing <laughs> so it wasn't until afterwards i'm like you worked with who well the the, the, the fun the funny part for, for i think for me and probably a frustrating part for dustin was that um we're standing there and so you've got all of Motley Crue and all of Def Leppard standing in the middle of this giant empty soundstage that's lit from the back with hot lights to make it look like stadium lighting. They're, they're all lined up. There's huge amounts of space around them. 
Um, we had these front lights on them. Dustin's between the lights shooting. His brother and I are kind of roaming on the edges trying to get shots of him shooting and some backup shots of everything. And then right behind him is a group of about 30 to 40 people that had shown up during the day from the tour, from the bands, assistants, wives, whatever it was, including a little dog, which was actually the highlight for me. And one of their cell phone images ended up out on the internet that before afternoon. Before we got home. Before, before we, we got, got home. home. Before I even got back to San Diego, it had already broken that this this had happened. And here's this, not a bad shot because we lit it really well, but you know, here's this cell phone <laughs> image of this whole thing going on. And I could just feel well, anytime, any Anytime anybody shoots over your shoulder. Right. I mean... Come on, that's really disrespectful. Number one, and number two, to let it let it out before you know this. The whole point was to have this big impactful shot, and then somebody blows a behind the scenes shot and kind of screws up the whole thing. I was. Yeah, because that's the one all the news agencies want to use and push it out. By the time your image comes out, it's kind of oh yeah, we've we've saw that. Mine's going to take days, if not a week. Yeah. And I think they actually wanted it in two days, but I was like. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's not going to happen because th- literally you have to it has to be approved by every band ma- management so anybody that wants to change once i've finished this composite somebody can go oh i don't like me in that yeah i was they fine need, with it I mean, yesterday but today I'm, I'm not you know there's i was fine with it yesterday today i'm not so fine with it that, that, <laughs> yeah um <laughs> so with the portrait stuff there obviously that that's a, a port what a cool portrait shot i mean like we said there's a really cool mix of uh like one-to-one portrait stuff versus concert stuff and you've got a real like who's who of of portraits i mean can you tell us like, two or three favorites that you've done that that you personally like were pleased to do and pleased with the shot um i mean for me the people again that i that i work with are usually people that request me and specifically i mean i'll say nikki six dj ashba and Zach Wilde, all three, super accommodating with their time. Nikki specifically, because he's a photographer, the the back and forth between him and I when we're working together is is kind of special. That's a little different experience than directing or because all of these yeah, these yeah. guys have done it a million times. They know what to do in front of the camera, and you you rely on that because. You know, they're experienced professionals and you get them in front of the camera and they turn it on and, you know, that's your job is to get that magic. And whereas with with Nikki, it's like, hey, should we do this or how about that? Or let's try this or let's do this lens or try this camera. And and it's a different collaboration than than me being hired to go do like a specific one shot. And like you say, they've already got a really good look and you bringing your style to their look is a match made in heaven because, you know, like DJ Ashby, he's got such a distinctive look about him. Nicky Sitt's got such a distinctive look is, like you say, if you can't make them look like a rock star, pack your stuff up and go home. Yeah, I mean, I feel like like we grew up in kind of the last era where the real rock stars existed. Like, you know, when one of those guys walks in the room, you go, holy crap, that's that guy. Yeah. Whereas it could could be, I mean, it's no better or no worse, but there's other modern bands that could be in front of you in Starbucks and you would never know that that's the singer of whoever, you know, it's just a different era and a different swag. So 
Oh, definitely. So I, I've always been fascinated because I loved um, the DJ Aspis. DJ Aspis. Dave will just edit this out. The DJ stuff. DJ. Um, <laughs> especially the ones where you're doing the reflections in the mirror when you were doing the mm-hmm. in the, the, the kind of two looks. And, and um, it was interesting. I saw him on a TV show, something about a fish tank or something. And I'm suddenly like, holy hell, there's Dustin's pictures in the background. And, you know, um, was that your idea, his idea? How did you guys come up with with creating that? Was that something that like one of you just was like, I want to do this. And then you had to yeah, that, figure that- it out. That day was, that was kind of a fluke because I was there. He need, we were doing some promotion stuff for, uh, he had a new guitar coming out and needed some new promotional stuff. And we were using a place in Vegas that has uh, kind of three, three different facades, like little sets built. So we could go there and kind of jump around in these sets. And that was one of the sets and we were shooting there. I'm like, because at this point, DJ was known for this, for this hat that he always wore. And he hadn't worn it for quite a while and I'm taking this picture of him and it's just something in my head goes man would you would you be willing to put that hat back on because I could probably put you in the mirror like screaming back at your yourself today because we were kind of doing more of a business a business shot for him in that room and it was a dirty room but it had this cool mirror so I literally I put it on a tripod and I shot him with his his suit on and the whole thing and just I didn't move it, and then I had him post around the mirror and reshot from the same angle, so all the reflection, everything still matches. And then, yeah, kind of inverted it and put him on the inside of the mirror, like screaming at himself. I I, I always love because that's one of those images that I looked at, and my brain gets sucked into the story. It's like there's a you know a lot of stuff you look at, and you're like, okay, yeah, that's it's yeah, it's. And then you get, you, yeah, some people that wouldn't work. And you come across like one of those pictures and suddenly you're like, not only are you like, okay, this is telling me something. My brain starts going, okay, how did he do that? You know, like, how did this come about? How did, you know, where was the, was it the, the screaming mirror part first? Was it, you know, like, and, and it's not oh, like yeah. you gave her the story, but, it, but because there's something in it that makes you stop and wonder, you tend to look at the picture longer. It tends to have an impact and you tend to remember it. So I'm, in my mid fifties, early fifties, you know, and it's like, there's not a whole lot of images that still stick in my head over years. That's just one of them. Cause it was like, there's, there's a story there, you know, like, um, Joe McNally's shoes on the top of the Burj Khalifa because of the story behind it, you know, looking down from the top. It's like the Albert Watson with Mick Jagger in the back of the car and the yeah, lion. Yeah. yeah. The face, double exposure. The tiger faces. With the, with, yeah. So, so certain images like stick and that's just one of them. So it's like, People should, you know, when they see it, it's like, I want people to understand that that is something that happens like either oh, meticulous planning for months on trying to figure it out, or it happens because the photographer or the artist went, you know, it'd be really cool. <laughs> we just, and it, it was this. a little bit of that. And honestly, I, I didn't even know if it would work. And so, but he, he literally called his assistant because the hat's in a, in a case at the stratosphere in his, in his store. Like it's on display, so they had to bring the hat, and they bring the. <laughs> Is it the leather one with the stitching? Yes, the, the yeah. black one. But I remember yeah. now, now thinking about it, I remember why I thought of it because I'm shooting that shot, and it's a pretty wide shot, and the reflection was kind of boring. Like it's just kind of his side profile because he's facing me. I'm like, what am I going to do with that? And I was like, what if you? Yeah, why don't we make a Jekyll and Hyde kind of shot out of it, where you're, you know, 
your rock star self is screaming at your professional self because he has two very different things going on. Like he has a ton of professional uh, design companies and all kinds of stuff. And then he's also a rock star. So that's kind of, yeah, that was the genesis. And, and he trusted <laughs> you enough at the time to be like, okay, so my photographer is a little crazy, but hey, this might work. See, yeah, but he's also one of those guys too. If he doesn't like something, he'll just go, yeah, I, I don't like it. Yeah. So, so I've got a question for you that a lot of photographers tend to shy away from and don't like. How much do you earn? No, I'm joking. <laughs> Not Photoshop. Enough. So we obviously we obviously uh, have a connection through Photoshop World, and I know there's a lot of photographers who don't like Photoshop. They don't like admitting that they use it. That it's all very much oh, mine's all in camera, and you know I just take it out and give it to the client. Whereas you have definitely mastered compositing. You've mastered a lot of the Photoshop retouching techniques, how to bring out color. I mean, at what point did you kind of go, I need to learn Photoshop and I and I need to introduce this into my work because you are very good at it. I mean, the compositing stuff looks great. The retouching stuff looks great. A lot of photographers don't like admitting that they do that. I mean, I, I got Photoshop one. Like I started right. all the way back, like when it first came out, like... Uh, I think one of the first things I did was I think with that Frankenstein poster because it set a world record at the time and we had to like make, you know, I had to take a picture of a champagne bottle with uh, confetti and stuff on, on a still life and then set in the poster and then put, you know, $198,000. I mean, it was so basic. I mean, there was nothing really to it, but it was complicated then. Like how, how, well, how are we going to do this? Yeah. You didn't have layers for a start. No. So, yeah. Um, but again, I say, you know, if you're going to go dig a ditch, would you rather dig a ditch with chopsticks or are you going to get a, sh a shovel? Like it's, yeah, there's they're tools, but I'm not ashamed to use the tools that are available to me. I'm going to use whatever I can to make a great image. So. Amen. <laughs> but because that's a frustration for me is, uh, you know, I, I learned design my first introduction for design was early editions of Photoshop. It's a tool that's out there that they, they improve year on year to, to enable us to make better images. And then when you see someone who can not only take a great shot, I mean, you could take any one of your shots and not apply Photoshop to it. It'd still be a great shot. But then you take that photograph and just take it to a completely different place because you're able to do compositing, you're able to do retouching. That I think is quite refreshing just have a photographer that says yeah embrace it use it learn it because it just adds another layer to what you do that's a nice way of saying your brain really complicates your work doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> so what made you go to photoshop world what was the reason for that i started going to that fairly early on too and i would I, I don't think i was super busy in the music stuff yet and that, that's when i took alan's class the first time and it just, it, it reminded me of why I like to do it and what I forgot about how, what it takes to do it. You mm. know what I mean? So it, it just kind of, it was such a great, I don't even want to say refresher because that's, uh, that's not important enough, but just to gain all that knowledge and go, oh, right, right. I, I, I forgot. I love this that much. Dude, that's, that's uh, we talked to Teresa about that too. I always told people you could go to Photoshop world to learn some Photoshop or some photography, but it was the inspiration and the idea that you were going to get, you know, motivated to go do things. And, mm -hmm. 
Because that was always it for me. It was never about like, okay, yeah, I'll learn some cool things, but I learned some cool things and it makes me want to go create something. And that that like urge yeah. and need to go create something got rekindled, you know, every time, every time I would do it. And, um, you know, I always thought it was fascinating because I, I made some really good friends back then. I mean, we, we hit it off, you know, really fast. And it was like really funny because you're like, I'm not sure if it was the first, I'm not sure which, all the years blend together for me after a while. So that's, yeah. I'm just going to apologize for that up front. But um, you had some pictures of Tommy um, that were up for a guru. Yep. And and I, I remember thinking, he didn't tell me, like, he actually <laughs> shot rock stars. <laughs> like, he's sitting at, like, like, dude, you shouldn't be in my class. You should be teaching, my, you know, like, you should be up here telling people, you know, like, I'm like, I couldn't do that portrait now. I mean, you know, but that was, was I mean, like, that again, that was that was an early composite. And, you know, again, like we, I'm sure we all got sucked into the, the HDR rabbit hole for a while. And I mean, there's a whole there's a whole era of my work that is definitely over processed. And that, that's part of the deal, too. Like you learn these techniques and you might overuse them for a bit and then you learn how to refine them. And that's that's part of that's the nature of the beast. You know, it's funny because I. It's weird how how many Photoshop worlds I've been to, and how many Photoshop worlds you've been to. And as as soon as I saw the photograph of you, I knew I recognised you straight away. <laughs> and then, but I was annoyed that I didn't know you already, because I tend to talk to everybody at an event and know everyone. I know your name. I knew you won the Guru. I recognised you in the photos, and I was thinking, why have, why have we just never? spoken to each other? We've got mutual friends, so I'm glad we've got the opportunity today because. It's just like, oh man, I, I I hate it when I don't know someone and I should know them. So I apologize. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, I, and likewise, but you know, for me, even going to something like that, you know, I, I'm I'm there to learn, you know, and yeah, I, I I've known Alan for years, and I kind of stick to the people I know, and I'm I'm not a super outgoing, you know, overly friendly. Hey, I'm going to go talk to this guy just because I recognize mm. him, kind of guy. So that's He's probably on me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so one the question or, I was gonna say oddly introverted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you know what every everyone in the industry, photographers, designers, I think we're all inherently introvert and then we just have a way of releasing it every once in a while. But I, I just think that's just the way it is. Some of the people in the in the industries where you think they god, they must be so flamboyant and partying. But actually the best ones are introverts. I, and I think it's an asset. Just not to be, not try to be the alpha male in the room, is to actually go in and blend in and be part of the experience. Well, I mean, again, it's a good you, way of being an introvert. Again, you know, asking about how you you interact with people like that, you you can't walk into a room and be like that. When no, when you have sixteen A type personalities, don't even attempt it. Don't even. You I've, know. I, I've seen somebody walk into a uh, into a room where Keith Richards was. And literally been spun round and walked straight out again, just because the first seconds of the way he behaved, it was whoosh, out. Yep. You've just <laughs> you've just blown that in ten seconds flat. Uh, so two questions we always ask guests, yep. um, which is a, a it's a positive thing. Is uh, is like a loves and loathes, but the loathe doesn't have to be a thing you hate. So f- of your wealth of photography career, I mean what. What about it just puts the biggest smile on your face when you think about it? What's the the bit about it that's just like, oh, man. I I think the body of work that I've accumulated and 
the friendships that have come along with a job that turned into a friendship that's turned into 20 years. You know, I mean, yeah. you can't really replace that stuff. Even if the photo side of it went away and you were you were left with the friendship or vice versa, you know, the friendship goes away and you, you're left with this incredible body of work. I'm pretty lucky on, on both levels. That's great. And what about the flip side? Is there anything around photography or the industry or we got we'll have to take covid out of this because yeah, i think okay. it sucks for everybody but is is there something in what you do you wish could or would change for the better yeah go look at some of my early hdr <laughs> 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 yeah but you keep it out if you keep it out there you stand by your work because it shows that you learn it is pain we all did it i I did it. I did a HDR Photoshop uh, 2010, my first Photoshop world. I decided to join a HDR photo walk around uh, Old Town Vegas. Mm. I had a little Sony camera. Everyone else had a Nikon and a Canon. I didn't know how to use my camera. Brian Matias, who was running it, didn't know how to use my camera, which is ironic because 10 years on, he's a Sony ambassador. Um, And I was learning bracketing. And man, I cooked that thing like three times over. (laughs) I did. It was yeah. it was awful. Lots of halos. But oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lots of bright shiny metallic looking colors. But uh, <laughs> but you live in lane, you know, I look back at my composite my photoshop. I look back at my design work 5 10 years ago and some of it is just oh my lord, I got paid for that. Yeah, but that's to, that's to you and me too. Like I it, yeah yeah you know, we see it but you know your work is always stellar alan's works always you know but we can we can tear ourselves apart much easier oh, you know yeah so oh yeah definitely we wouldn't tear each other apart but we'd tear ourselves <laughs> there apart. are some there so, are some shameful moments in there i'm, I'm telling you <laughs> but it, it was so kind of, it was it was the first on, time I, I uh the venue had me do a internal shot of the building without anyone in it they just wanted a seating chart and what the building looked like. And I'm looking at this dark interior. And so I'm like, oh, my camera brackets nine stops. So, you know, I did these nine stop bracketed wide angle shots. And then I quickly dumped it into whatever HDR program was the flavor of the month back then. And I sent my boss this quick JPEG composite just out, you know, just like, so, you know, this is kind of the idea, but I'll, and the next thing I know is that shot is like, no, 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 we want this one. And I'm like, but it's no, it's crunchy and <laughs> halo-y and like, yeah, but it makes our building, you know, look, look, and it, and that was the moment where I realized that what I want was nowhere near as important as what the client wanted. Now, would I put that in my portfolio? Probably not, <laughs> but it was one of those things <laughs> no. where it was like, I, I did something that they really you know appreciated and it, and it was fine um it also taught me a lesson not to send them in anything that i wasn't really happy with because yeah. there yeah, was a yeah. chance it was going to end up public and my name was going to be attached to it so um, well this this is a little off subject if you have one more time for one more funny story because yeah, I, I was talking it. to my wife about this and it's about lessons learned on shoots so we're out in san bernardino and alan you know the parking lot and the venue are about two miles away from each other. So you, you hike into this venue, and I, I think I was shooting Motley Crue or it might have been an Ozfest or something. And you get in, and you're literally on the – I think I was on the the three-song thing, right? And I get in there. I do the thing. I, I get escorted out of the venue. I'm halfway out to the parking lot. So I'm about almost a mile to my car, 
And my wife calls me and she goes, I have your keys. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the God's honest truth. The first time ever in my life that I was hopping mad. I was jumping up and down going, Fuck! <laughs> like, right? So the best part of the story is after being that angry that she had my keys, I get back and she's on the other side of the fence. And I kind of just lobbed my bag over the fence and walked right past through the press. Uh, I, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but walked back through the press, grabbed my bag and went back on the floor. <laughs> so it's a good thing she, she like, had my keys. Yeah. <laughs> but I was so mad. So how... Oh, man. So what have you been doing? Um, we'll, we'll touch on the current situation because we're all, you know, we're all feeling it one way or another. What have you kind of been doing to keep busy during lockdown? And what have you got kind of, have you got any plans moving forward that you can actually see light at the end of the tunnel? Um, I was supposed to be out on tour with, with Motley Crue right now. Uh, I was supposed to be out for the first, I don't know, eight shows or something like that. But again, luckily, you know, I was locked down for, the first month, almost two months. And then I, I got to go back to work. So luckily I don't rely on that work uh, for, for my livelihood. You know, my job yeah, yeah. has been great. My, my boss is incredible and you know, it's, it's very mom and pop. So there's only four of us in the shop. So it became okay to kind of, for, for the four of us to work together. And so, so I've been back at work for uh, three or four months. Oh, that's yeah. good. But, you know, I spent a lot of time re-editing, uh, doing some stuff. I, I took uh, a tip out of Glenn's book and took a, an airplane model that I had and just, like, wanted to see if I could make that work. I, you know, photographed stuff around my house to build composites just to see, like, wow, I've never even thought about taking a picture of that. What can I make out of it? So Yeah, so. that's what Katrine said the same thing. She was looking at what she could shoot around the home and learn something different, try a new skill. Uh, the guy that's this week's interview as we speak is David McClelland and he's a journalist and he was rely you know, he has to go into London, he has to go to studios and he's been building a studio at home now and he's he's still getting work because he can work from home. But he said, I'm learning so much more about post production, um, about the kind of techniques and the gear that I need that he said, my, my my job will change because of it, because of the things I've been able to learn to do during lockdown. I've given myself another protective layer of being able to do something should something like this happen again. And like you say, I, you know, I'm working, unfortunately, Alan's, Alan's kind of been stuck between a rock and a hard place with everything being cancelled at the arena. Um, but the yard's getting done. <laughs> the yard is looking good. <laughs> the, do the dogs get love. The dogs are getting walked. Yeah. The yard is looking good. Um, so, I'm, you know, it is it is what it is. I'm staying home and I'm, uh, I'm hoping that everyone else does too. I'm also really hoping that we get some medical breakthroughs soon. And there have been some really positive things recently. So, you know... Um, I'm, I'm, I feel very blessed. I'm happily married. My wife and I get along really well. So being, in, too. being at home has been, you know, it's has not been a hardship. Um, yeah. You know. I love your wedding photo, by the way, Dustin. Oh, I was looking through you. <laughs> That's such a good photo. The one with Jack Nicholson right. or the other one? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, seriously, thanks for joining us mate i know we had some technical issues at the, at the beginning i'm glad we didn't lose you yeah, me too because me i was too. really yeah. looking forward to tonight and and i hope that 
as soon as the world returns back to normal and I get over to LA for Adobe Max or something that we can meet up and just have a beer and and properly catch up. I would up. love that. Yeah. yeah, that sounds great. And you know, yeah. I'd love to do this again. Like, let's let's get through this and you know, give it some time, and then hopefully um, we can reconvene and and then catch up again. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I always want everyone back a second time. So, uh, open open guest mate, you you come back and uh, when we can get the show back on the road and uh, you've got got some more stuff happening. I really appreciate you're it. Always, you, it's been you're always welcome. It's on. a lot of fun. Ho- hopefully, we didn't offend too many people. Oh, we did. <laughs> No, no, no. I, I like interesting guests it's, it's good fun I, I i get so much fun out of doing this that you know i say to my wife i know i put a lot of time and hours into like getting the whole thing together but it's, it's such a learning thing for me i get to meet really interesting people i learn so many cool things and even even if i never do that thing i love that i get to see sort of behind the scenes and the thinking of, of somebody who creates such incredible bodies of work so but again to even open yourself up to seeing other people's work in a different light you know it's different when you when you've spoken to the person that makes the art versus like wow i don't know if i would like that guy based on his his images you know yeah yeah. (laughs) do judge quickly so no it's uh, oh i knew i knew looking through your portfolio it's like oh man i so want to do this interview oh cool thank you thank you (laughs) so no thanks very much and uh say take care and hope everything works out the next few weeks and months and the tour gets back on the road and you get back out working um but in the meantime dustin thank you very much likewise guys thank you so thank you so much bye dudes good seeing you cheers you too okay